perspective. 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 Welcome, beautiful people. This is your host, Fonte Swank, and you are now experiencing the Perspective Junkies podcast. Last week, we discussed the riots and all the different political actions that are being taken in order to fight for the black lives being lost. As one of your hosts, we sent out our condolences to all those who have lost loved ones due to police brutality and even COVID, because that's a fight that we're all fighting as well. This week, we decided to continue that topic, but we wanted to touch on it from a different angle. So we're discussing the NBA's actions and, and what they're doing to fight for this movement. As usual, please like, subscribe, rate, comment, all that good jazz. But most importantly, enjoy. <laughs> Welcome. This is Perspective Junkies. And we got your host here, you know, the, the original, Ron Tay Swank. Original, okay. <laughs> KB knows most. And you are tapped in with... C-Swank, a.k.a. Captain Controversy. Today, um, we got to talk about a lot going on with the NBA. But just for starters, you know, I want to get into the mind and, like, really think, on what are they what are they thinking Damn. about right now and, and, and in their struggles and in their lows and highs. So we have a, a D5 athlete of our own. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a little insight on that. Um, Man. I know you got to talk about your boy PG. PG thirteen. I have never. People have been saying LeBron, but I have never seen an athlete go out as bad. Like they've been harassing my guy every chance they get. Dame could, if Dame's son hit a jump shot right now, they'd be like, "Paul, what you doing though? Step up. What you <laughs> step up? What you doing?" <laughs> They've been killing him. You've been taking some hits from it, too. A lot of hits. You know, I got to stand by my guy. He made me proud before this shutdown, you know, but he made me proud. A little 35. We needed that. But just, Hold on. Before we get deep into it, you think that's enough? Enough? Is it enough? I think it was a wonderful start. Okay. But, you know, the timing of what's going on right now. You know, leaving a big asterisk on this season, big question mark on what was to come. You know, mm-hmm. was Dame gonna get four one? Yes. Yeah, of course. He's definitely he was out of it. <laughs> <laughs> was Paul George maybe gonna score thirty for the rest of the the postseason? We don't know. You know, we'll leave it at that. But it's fine. It's for a good reason. I'm comfortable with that. Okay. So, so what do you feel like was was going through his head in in that low? And you know, give us some insight on what you. Man, I could only imagine. Just the depression that comes with with sports, you know. If you if you devote your whole life to something and that one thing still isn't going right, like to to wake up in the morning, put up shots, and then game time you don't hit none, and then on top of it, you're a, you're a franchise guy. You getting over a hundred million. They're on your head. They expect you know the utmost greatness out of you. They they expect you to never miss to never have a slump like this. Like. Paul George has his own shoes. Like everything we say to him, he knows it. He already knows what's going on. He knows the the pressure. The pressure. The what he's supposed to be doing. He knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He knows he's not doing it. So 
it's just horrible when you when you are when, let's say you about to do the dishes and your mom walk by and be like hey hey Vante, don't forget to do the dishes you like i don't even want to do it no more so he out here shooting one for 14 and people like paul george you're playing horrible he like okay i get it like you know they blowing up his line and i could just think back my freshman year of college you know coach was talking good you know he's sweet buttering me up like hey man we got you we know you want to play guard we know you want to do this we know you want to change your game so we could take you to that division one level you know we got you first week of practice it was 30 niggas in practice <laughs> 30 niggas and you know at south Paulding, i'm tall and i could dunk there's probably two of us in the school that's doing that <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I got the East Georgia boy. We was all doing. Everybody could dunk. Everybody was tall. I thought I was. Mean, you get treated like hey, in Paulding County. You get treated like Wizard Kelly, six five dunking. They like, oh yeah, you different. Got to college. I was regular. In the first few games, I was riding the bench. This that, and then I just you know Cody and Joe at West Georgia Tech having fun. If I, it seemed like they was having fun. They they down the street from the. <laughs> was just living life, getting playing time. I was seeing them in like the little preseason games, Juco Jamborees. I'm seeing Joe putting in work. I'm like, wow, why am I here? Like, what am I doing? I'm at Juco Jamborees sitting the bench for preseason. If you were on the bench for preseason, that's like, it's a good sign of how this season's like. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, ah, we don't even need to get you on. I'm like, hey. Mid-season, I remember at nights, you know, I had my little crew, my little my little friend group at East Georgia, and the boys like, hey, bro, what you trying to get on after practice? I'm like, looking at them, like, nigga, I'm on third team. I want to get in bed. I want. <laughs> I was sad for, like, the first two months of college, and I was calling my mom almost every night, like, hey, can I please transfer to West Georgia Tech with John Cody? Can I please? She was like, Kenzie, No. <laughs> <laughs> you're not doing that she wouldn't let me go and what I was just, her reasoning for her reasoning was like you're supposed to you need to be away from from home You that's too close to home you need to get away from your friends you know just get the real college experience but um lame yeah <laughs> <laughs> to some degree he has like a, a whole different web network of people that he can tap into and it would have just been and, more Joe she yeah she forced it out of me i feel like it was a good decision because later on you know things got better day by day you know a lot of things had to happen but things got better and i'm glad i i, I thugged it out i stayed stayed the course and i feel like that's where paul george was headed until you know unfortunate situations occurred but it's a lot it's a lot of things that weigh heavy on athletes i used to hate when you know the smart girls in every class like you football player, you basketball players get it however you want. You do whatever you want. Get away with everything. I'm like, I guess like this ain't Duke. This ain't Kentucky. This is me. I, I really got to go to class. <laughs> Coach going to be like, hey, you could you could drop thirty, but if, if the lady fail you at your class, you're not playing next game. You know, it's no true special treatment until you hit that blue collar program. Maybe you know, folks out there getting paid. We not getting paid. So it was a lot of pressure. You still got to make good grades. You still got to go do everything just like a starter would do. Because if you go flunk off the team, you, you getting kicked off the team. It don't matter if you wasn't getting no playing time or not. You getting kicked off even if you was a starter. 
So that pressure that athletes have to carry outside of blue collar, you know, high class programs is even heavier because you it's tough. You're getting choked up right now. Getting choked up. Yeah. (laughs) So what I have a question for you. What lesson do you think playing college sports taught you like a lesson that's not relevant to basketball, but more like a life lesson? It's just being disciplined. It's being held to a higher standard, just being on and off the court, because any and every time, you know, they're ready to throw something in your face, like, hey, you, you play basketball, you're supposed to be doing this, you're supposed to be doing that, and you're looking at the next person and seeing how they're not, not being held to the same accountability that you are, and I just carry that, self, that, that with me everywhere I go now, like with work. Just I've been given given a bigger responsibility with the company I work with now, and sometimes I get mad because I'm like, "Hey, he not doing that. Why I got to do this? Right. She not doing that. Why you making me do this?" But now nah, you know, you just carry that. You carry that extra load. Being able to carry an extra load, an extra extra weight on your back, and you just gotta tough it out, deal with it. All right, question for you from not playing sports. Like, what what's your Observation, your view of like the college athlete, like how did it influence? Tell him what school you went to, though. Tell him what school you went to. You know, I started out at Georgia State and of course transferred to West Georgia, so I definitely saw a difference in how um, players were treated from you know each of those programs. Um, You know, my sport was getting money. So, you know, ever since I was 16, that's what I've been doing. But, <laughs> but no, nah, for real, um, you know, I, I always kind of looked at it like, I guess I had, you know, incorrect scope sometimes of like, yeah, y'all got it easy. But um, definitely having a little insight to, to Kane's experience and constantly being on the road, you know, I can see that. It's that, different. Kane might have it easy, though, man. It's like a, it's like easy in what we're doing, but a different level of something that we don't even know about. So, right. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. but you know, Kenzie. So, how do you think you would have like survived in a program that was like being heavily viewed and your performance will be on Twitter if if, if it ain't great? Like, how do you think you would have held up if you really had that type of kickback coming from it? Like being a part of a high major program, I know I would. I would have been sad. I would have been ignoring y'all. There would have been no Kenzie in the group chat. Let me go. Like, let me be the star player and I go score five points. I wouldn't even touch Twitter. I wouldn't touch my phone. I'd be like, it's some dude. I don't, I don't even want to say the name. It's a dude from FSU. You know, he's all world coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. And then if you McDonald's All-American, you play all four years of college, you already know. You just... He didn't do it. He didn't do right. (laughs) (laughs) Things definitely changed, but I might have folded or it would have just made me a stronger person. I think it would have made me a stronger person because even at East Georgia, the whole school come out. Ain't nothing doing Swainsboro, Georgia. They coming out every game day and they looking at you like, boy, you ain't even touch the court. They on your head. You walk into the cab. They on your head. What'd you do? What'd you do in the game? How many points you had? you so that was like a, a simulation of what a bigger yeah. arena might be. Oh yeah. So Cody, like you know, you hoop too, which a lot of people sometimes don't know. 
I don't know about Hey, we Hey, we didn't call it that. McCody was a bucket his senior year. Yeah, he for definitely sure. was a bucket. For so, sure. how, how you think? You know, you're one to go against uh, people's opinions. So, how do you feel like you would have survived? And you know, even if you made made it to the NBA and you had to deal with that type of level of scrutiny, like you know, how do you think you would hold up in that? Um. I don't think I'm built for that type of like day to day competition for your living, mm-hmm. like your, like what you do for a living. So in sports, music, things of that nature, it's like a blatant, and obvious competition, and mm. everybody's aware it's of obvious. it. Everybody comments on it. Constant and, comparisons, constant. and you have to compete to make a living, like you say. Like that, that in and of itself, I think increases the competitiveness within the job and makes it. It makes me respect people so much more because mm-hmm. yeah. any athlete plays like I even know like my little mini clutch performances like it takes a lot to get yourself in that mindset. So when people, when people even with Paul George, the way people talk is funny to me because like I can only crack so many jokes before I am I humble yeah. myself. I'm like, Yo, this is Paul George. Hey, you know, right. I wouldn't say too much that I wouldn't feel comfortable joking around. Like if we was friends, like if I could say like, dang Paul, you ain't, you know, come on. But I'm not gonna be like trash, garbage. <laughs> get them out of them. Like they are, they were wild. These are these are people who, like the 14th dude on the bench, is lighting up most people's open gym. Like he's unstoppable. His team no get. effort. So to to talk so critically, I think I've made the observation that that feeds into a character type that I don't want to like. I don't yeah. want to become like. I've learned that just from you learn that on sports teams, you learn that in class, you learn that from friend groups, yeah, as relationship. Certain. You don't want to be the person who who talks beyond what you can provide. Yeah, right. You, you're gonna always see somebody on the team who has see, like a you, high level of criticism. What you saying that it's a lot of Twitter names I want to drop. It's I'm, a Twitter, like, it's same, I'm it's, like, come on, bro. I never like. Z said something to me. I was like, Z, I've never seen you play basketball. If I if I've never seen you do a left hand layup, I don't want to hear you speak on no six nine guard that's in the NBA. Like, I mean, hoop. you know, not you know, in Z in particular, but I think it also speaks to people not knowing themselves. Like, like they could be that fourteenth person on the bench, but they like, he just ain't getting my shot. But I'm really fine. Like, you know, like they don't really have an accurate like. Uh, yeah. If I was out there, I'd be getting the buckets if it was me. Right. A low level of self awareness, like that, that is crazy because you yeah. you see people to to talk about Paul George's performance, to talk about pretty much any NBA professional, you have to really take into account the person and player you were, whatever your little brief career was. Mm-hmm. I'm saying in a packed out open gym where it's five people got next, it's high high level of criticism and high level like pass. Come on, bro. Hey, dudes is folding. When it's game point, there's a lot of people who, even with a hot hand, do not want to take it. Like, <laughs> they, they, they don't want oh, the pressure no of people being like, what the hell, <laughs> <laughs> And people really be like looking at you and they'll make a scene like, what the hell, bro? And this dude shooting too much. <laughs> and there's people who so scared of that, but they think that, they think that uh, they would just go into an NBA game and score eight. I'm like, I think you would struggle with it. Uh, intramural, like a men's intramural league, if there's a large amount of attractive women, it's, you're, you're folded. If there's a large amount of intimidating bro, men, you're folded. It's a lot of dudes talking crazy that I don't like. WNBA, you're, what you think you're going to do there? They're going to cook you. They're going to put you in a blender. It's over with. There's dudes that I don't think. 
It's a, I always, Brian always say this like I am not letting no nigga that has no varsity minutes under his belt <laughs> score the ball. I'm like that's how I feel about niggas talking on basketball. But you know a lot of professional analysts weren't pro basketball players too, so I see where they get their inspiration from to speak on it. A lot of people are just students of the game as far as studying yeah. it, so yeah. they feel like they have that understanding of what can be done yeah. based on the history. A lot of people do, though. And I'll give them that. But when they start saying, it's, it's just some outrageous things I'm hearing. I'm like, it, it's, it's really what you were saying reminded me um, in middle school. Like, you, you missed some free throws and, like, <laughs> folks were coming to math class, like, <laughs> giving them hell about some free throws. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I don't even want that pressure for us. Wow, pressure. This is funny when the white dudes are coming. <laughs> <Cody. laughs> I'm like, yo, you don't even know what to do with it. Hey, Cody. It is, it is very embarrassing. I, Sao Paulo is different, though, because I feel like they were just scared to say something. But when I was in middle school, Chapel Hill Middle, I was riding that bench. I probably, I probably played like two games entire middle school career in seventh grade. Two game. And, <laughs> I can't even imagine that. That's crazy. And they were not spared. It was. <laughs> I was not getting spared. Lunch. I was not speaking on basketball. I did not want to talk about basketball. Ever. It gives me a tear about my my old basketball career. Tell, <laughs> tell them what happened. Tell them. Tell them about you. I mean, I don't want to toot my horn and nothing like that. But you know, fifth grade, I had a lot of potential. You know, I was doing. That's where it starts. <laughs> I, I, I was starting there. Tell me that line. Like, tell me that line. Uh, see, I was doing upward, so it wasn't. Even like, <laughs> 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 it, it wasn't hard to be an upward start. Upward. I remember coming out the tunnels. Upward. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine him like getting like hella steam. <laughs> I had somebody on my team with diabetes. In it. <laughs> We had to like share minutes upward, so like it was like two of us. Like it was really five. It was just like you really got to take us out right now. We are gonna lose this game. <laughs> you putting in diabetes right now. Yeah. <laughs> this ain't gonna work. Yeah. But you know, then I, I, I hooped in sixth grade, and I was out sick one day, and then I came back and was like, "Hey, did you hear about the sixth grade uh, tryouts?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, y'all niggas did that other day. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, so I did a little, I did a little rec league, and then you know, pops got sick, couldn't take me to practice, and then my progress was gone ever yeah. since then. Hey, but you took a better route. You hey, took I, a took, better I took the cab route. <laughs> the cab route. But you know, I feel like as we're on the topic of hooping the NBA, um, we should definitely touch on. What's going on right now? And I just want you know, to listen to see my hat when I'm sporting. Feel that. Feel my hands that. is up. You know, I'm hoping I don't die. Hey, understand that. But um, but look, he got that hat on. Tell him how you feel about this this boycott. This boycott. Hey, don't shoot. <laughs> fuck, fuck y'all niggas putting the ball down for it. Hey. <laughs> um, my my opinion on the boycott. You know, I was like, all right, y'all want to make a stand for this day. It's Randy. But when they start talking about cutting the old playoffs off, <laughs> man, 
nothing. Hey. We can't have nothing. Like we can't enjoy nothing. Good boy God. switched up. Hey, um, I want to say I heard Cody say, "Shut up and dribble, bro." <laughs> I did not say that. I did not. What is y'all doing? Got opinions. We supposed to be hooping. <laughs> Nigga, y'all need to go to college. What is y'all doing? We lacing up or what? But um, Kenzie's really, really passionate about I'm this storyline. So. Hey, very historic. I'm glad to be alive and a part of it and in full support of it. I feel like the owners of these NBA teams definitely have enough pull and power to get some things done, to get some things pushed. As you know, if this was the NFL, I think I think stuff would have happened instantly. All them boys would have sat down. Tom Brady would take a knee. That's think, what I'm saying. Like, okay, so what do you feel like the the major officials in the NBA can can do about this? I feel like they could they could press it. They, what Milwaukee did, they uh, stayed in the locker room and got the attorney general of uh, Wisconsin on the phone mm-hmm. and, you know, press some things and we're going to see what gets done by the end of this week, which is in the week, yeah. let's say next week, middle of next week. I think they are, they have enough power to get things done. And I'm, I'm happy that it's the big faces of the NBA, NBA trying to uh, make some things happen. So you would say whole playoffs, cut it. I'll say, give them an ultimatum. Like, Y'all get right. Arrest them boys or ain't no more Brian. So cut it. If they got to, cut it. And what's the arrest list like? Just the recent one? Or, you know, we got to get Brian and Taylor still? Might as well all of them now. Yeah. So see how far they could get. If they get the recent one done, wouldn't you feel like they have to wait until they get Rihanna Taylor's and then just keep going on with it? Or are you like, nah, they got this shit. Wait, let's go. Come on, jump ball. Let's go. <laughs> I don't think it's realistic that they can get all of them. You don't think you can get all of them? What would you think the limit is? If they get one done, how many do you think they should stop at one? I don't think they, I don't know if they can get one done within a reasonable time limit. What's a reasonable time limit? Anything beyond two weeks. <laughs> I think within two weeks or something, a plan of action will be in place. A plan of action would not be. You got to. It'll a be a consequence of of the of the playoffs. A good consequence. So, what are you comparing playoffs to right now, Cody? Um, I more so think of it in in a pragmatic sense. So, say this this problem that we've been facing historically for centuries, not centuries, but decades. Yeah. Since um the Jim Crow era, like in the sixties and all that. If this situation goes on again, so say someone is, we feel is killed wrongfully, it puts a pressure on future players and athletes to make take a similar course of action. And the repeated process sullies or kind of dirties up the nature of sports. Yeah. It becomes a, too much of a political issue to ever quite go all the way back. Two, I don't, like, I'm not super confident that the people, even the owners, I think they have a lot of money. And influence. I don't know if they have as much influence and money as the people who would have conflicting views. Like, hey, this person was doing something illegal or this person resisted. So if they can just beat the case in court, which they probably have a, they're going to have some type of facts that give them a good case. It's like, you stopped the league, you got everybody behind, and now it's a historical, like, damn, disappointment gasp. Because you put pressure on the decision that you, I feel like you truly could not influence it would now if I'm trying to think of someone who who I guess they they could sacrifice more like of a political figure sacrifice 
some type of money or some type of opportunity to make a case. It would be fitting because of their sports. Once it gets to this point, like what is the precedent for what an athlete should do if they face a racial situation? So if there's something going on with immigration, does Hispanic and Latino and Asian and all those type of ethnicities that are dealing with those issues, they stop playing their their favorite sports. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is the long term benefits or long term effects of the decision? That's what I think. Of. I don't just think of it as. A- so what if the the NBA spreads to every sport and they get every sport to stop? What if if they get every sport to stop? What playing? If there was a, if this led to people being like, all right, bet we gotta go ahead and get all those cops, then I can say, hey. It's effective in one way, which I applaud, but the other way is that I still believe it would lead to uh, a repetitive cycle. Like you, you have to do, you're gonna have to, you're gonna be called to make some type of change or dramatic stand for any social issue, which is it's in conflict with the nature of sports. It's just meant to be like a free spirited, like uh, it's almost like placing high expectations on like rappers to me. I don't think you should. Like it's just so you you're in favor of shut up and drip. No, I'm just. I'm, just, I'm not <laughs> saying. I'm just, I, I just don't like what every move you do. You have to look at what is long term effects. Can it be repeated? If it can't be repeated in a successful way to me, then I'm like we should question if the attempt or the strategy is the right strategy in and of itself. So how would you feel if they started their own league? Like the NBA Players Association stepped away and was like, "Hey, we gonna finish the playoffs on our own term, and we're not putting no money in the NBA pockets." Isn't that when though they they were not in a in an agreement, so they were technically not in a contract with the. I think when the NBA lock lockout happened, folks just stopped showing up to practice. Was that not it? I don't. I thought it was like a they were trying to rebargain. Certain, yeah, yeah. Look at I do believe they're like working out a little deal, right? Yeah. Don't you feel like if they're in, if they're in contract to play now, and they go play somewhere else, don't you feel like that would be a a conflict of their contract or something like that? Yeah, they probably get sued. I mean, you know, I think that it'll be cool, but you know, like I was saying, you know, off air, I feel like NBA has been. As supportive as an organization can get with the whole movement and everything, so it's like it's not like the NBA is muting them from speaking out and, and doing things. And like I said, you know, one couple games and, and seeing if we can get some change. But if we talking about cutting the whole playoffs. So it's like this is our enjoyment during you know the most stressful year known to man, almost, and you know. We can have enjoyment and still try to fight for the cause. Is what I'm saying. Like, I don't feel like we should be degraded of that. In the midst of everything that we've been going on, like everybody in the crib, like we need something to watch. And I'm not saying they got to shut up and dribble. I'm saying speak and dribble. Shit, do both. I'm speaking. <laughs> and let me pose this question to you: Say they were to make their own league, and yeah. the same incident occurred, do they stop playing? If they make a all black league, not saying just black players only, but a black owned league, I don't. I think you'll be able to speak and dribble. What would be? I feel like you. Why should, would they not desire to stop playing for the for the issue at that point? Like, what would change? What would you? What do you believe justifies them not? I'm saying them taking the money out the NBA pockets because you know it's probably the, the head of the NBA is white, is it not? So you take money out the white man pockets and like. 
just hit them where it hurts. When you, you stop somebody from making money, they they're gonna get mad. They're gonna get serious. They're gonna find a way to either fix the issue or it can go negatively. It could go, you know, it could go south. So, so my question to you is also: Do you think the NBA was putting up a fake head of like they were just being loud about it but not really doing anything? For sure. That's what you think was going on. I feel like it's just. That's what that's what it would be. You'd just be talking about it, right? When Jonathan Isaac, the dude that that stood during the national anthem, he was like, I mean, his his explanation was was weird to me. But he was like, I don't want to, like, what's this knee gonna do? What's he doing? So putting putting Black Lives Matter on the court, what's he doing? So you think that's doing nothing? And I ain't gonna say is gonna I'm not saying it's doing nothing, but a boycott is more effective than writing Black Lives Matter on the court and putting all these names like on the back of a jersey, like vote number twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> vote. I mean, how man. many more? It's like okay, now it's like it's the next step. You know, that was step one, and then somebody died during all of it. Somebody the same thing happened again during all this things they did so did, they, did you see what um did y'all see what brian erlecker said mm-mm. um he basically was like brett Favre played a monday night football game the day his dad died and scored four touchdowns and he was looked at as legendary for playing through that adversity and then one guy gets killed by the cops and that was going into his car or there was a knife in the car and he was wanted for sexual assault or something like that. And because of that, y'all ain't trying to play in the playoffs. So he was basically kind of like, y'all weak for doing that boycott. Y'all could, y'all could play through adversity, y'all. That. What uh, ethnicity is uh, Brian Erlach? That is, he like that, um, the linebacker from all the, yeah, the other racist white. movies. Yeah. <laughs> you mean boy. Yeah. He may have that look, but I don't, I don't want to get to the point where we invalidate white people's opinion. I feel like it has to be a, you have to get different perspectives, perspectives, perspectives from different types of but people. But that's going back to what I was saying about all these dudes talking about what Paul George is capable of, what he not doing on the court, and they never shot a layup. So what Brian Erlacher even talking about if he's not ever he's never even been seen as a a real threat like how can you say that like brett Favre played through his dad dying how does dad die his dad probably died from like when I'm more old like, age what i believe is that he may not be able to speak necessarily from the experience of uh experiencing the the prejudice that a black person may feel but he can speak on from outside looking in the the logic or the the cause and effect of decisions that any Americans make. You know what I'm saying? So we may not, we may not, if they rioted or had any type of reaction to um, build the wall campaigns and it got aggressive or they're they're maybe famous uh, Latino actresses and athletes who said, hey, we're going to stop doing what we're doing. We can still say, hey, you know, we can have an opinion on what we feel. Is that effective? Is it working? Is it going to pay off in the long run? Even if we are not Latino, like I, that's I don't I don't I think we're getting to the, the point like our culture is that like if you are not part of this group you can't speak on this and it, to me that's like you're getting such a narrow-minded uncontested opinion 
because all you're doing is talking to a room like that's like you talking to a room of only six foot five black guys who have this like they are gonna agree with everything you say that you're not getting challenged you're not getting like but mm. it's just his example was so horrible that's an awful example like isaiah thomas not the old isaiah thomas but you know the little short one he played a playoff game the same day was it his sister died yeah. the man went crazy won a series and got traded same year yeah what definitely that? wasn't an accurate <laughs> analogy I see what he was trying to do I see what he's trying but no nah it's not like you feel me he, his dad how did I, I want to look that up now how did his dad yeah. die and I want to emphasize that with the with that that situation I do think it's wrong simply because I don't understand. I don't see how they could justify seven shots. It's like an excessive use of force. Yeah. Yeah, point blank. I don't know why it's so hard for people to get the knee shot, hey. maybe a foot or a calf. His dad died from a heart attack. How can you compare that to like seven shots? Right. I think that's a wrong action. <laughs> what I'm just saying is, does the response lead to a positive enough uh occurrence or a positive enough effect that it's like this was worth it that's how i'm judging not is there any type of moral justification i'm like yeah there's somewhat like to bring it is it bring some attention it applies a little bit of pressure if this is the right person to me it's just like we're building like a we're getting to the point where we kind of associate all rich whites with like you know that dude so, I'm like thinking like they all cousins like, hey. like come on, y'all in the same circle. Don't talk to your boy. Like, I do not know this. <laughs> all I do is chill. The thing, thing is though, basketball team owners. I don't know the, the politicians. Like, the thing is though, they do know. I think they. I do. think it's I definitely think I they just, do. I, I just, think everybody's plugged in on that. Yeah, level but that's that. what I was saying. Like with the Milwaukee thing, because they're important to their state, then it makes sense. What's in Milwaukee? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, because that case was particular to that state, that makes a lot, it's a lot crucial. of sense. But like, if we do the whole NBA playoffs, well, it's like certain states don't even have the control. Where, where did George Floyd die? In Minnesota? Yeah, Timberwolves ain't make the playoffs, baby. Everybody had to. Get, they they had tried. To they tried to um, do something ready. about it, but like I said, like with the individual teams working to do that, you know, I feel like it's more effective, but just the entire playoffs. <laughs> and and really like I feel like they're also gonna set like a standard of like we are the heroes that's gonna take action on everything and so that's what you then, are that's what yeah. I'm saying and, <laughs> then, and, and then it's like what if it's a case that we don't really know about like maybe this is not so unlawful and then it's like that blurred line like oh y'all not gonna step up for this one and it's like y'all set the standard of like being there politically on everything then it's gonna be like it's gonna be hard to reverse that like how you were just saying like if it's one that's a little bit more questionable and we still making a ruse out of it not to say that this isn't isn't a correct ruse to make yeah. i'm just saying that yeah. now that we have gotten to a very hypersensitive time like if we see anything we could see somebody he actually going for a gun and it's like y'all still shooting it like it's gonna be because we are in a hypersensitive time and so if we are just Cutting off all the playoffs every time there's something going on, it could be like, all right, y'all but not gonna step up for this one. Do you guys think we've we've been hyping up any wrong situations where we're really like, you know, yeah, he had to, they had to do that. Have we hyped up any wrong situations? I think that some of the violence towards protesters can be justified if someone's defending their their, their spot. 
or if you get into an altercation with the police, I don't believe in like the police taking the dub. Like taking I'm the talking dub. about all the ones that have been emphasized. Like they were protesting in Atlanta. All things on camera with excessive force. I agree. Like yeah. yeah. So I I think every situation that's been publicized and emphasized to the real world news, I don't think it's ever been one where you like. Yeah, bro, it was wild, and I don't know what other option, but no, it's never been that situation. And then something always gets matched. Like I keep seeing the uh, what's the white boy that had the AR fifteen shot yeah, somebody in the head video. and killed somebody? I, I can't even. They watch was thanking him and everything. Like him and his like they had like a little militia out there trying to protect police, right. and the police were um, thanking them, like giving them water. Like we appreciate y'all out here. Good looks. Thanks. Hey. It was for the wild. It's for the heavy. They signed. I like, I heard about that from conservative podcast. So y'all tell me y'all y'all uh, perspective on that. Like perspective. Um, that's that's very strange because we can't just be like, all right, militias can come out here and start doing anything because it's obviously when we form a militia for black people, it's always kind of like over militarized and terrified of black panthers come out here right now yeah and it it gets them tense but they're like thank god y'all here like (laughs) that's where it's like all right we can obviously see get get them niggas in check right now what if we had a militia that was protecting black officers from white protesters or white and black protesters that are coming to like attack a building or like destroy a building which is because this is the grounds on which they stand. Like, hey, we ain't just coming out here with the sticks, like, just on a Tuesday, just <laughs> ice cream. We came out here to protect people who we believe should protect others who are not being protected by the law. Mm-hmm. So during this time period, they just, we not bringing the smoke, but if you come, you get in this fire. To me, it's like a, eh, I got cousins and friends who kind of live by the same laws. Like, I don't, you have to put it in perspective for what they're going to see, like, from yes. coming from their point of view, like, that's if someone tough. is coming to, 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 if you found out for any reason that somebody was coming with 100 people to your neighborhood and they might want to break some stuff, you got a, a daughter and a, and a son at home, like, what you going to do? Go get a gun? It wouldn't be a crazy action. I still don't want to see the officers out here handing out, hey, good looks. <laughs> if you was an officer and you just give me everybody like, like, man, really. y'all suck. We really want to destroy everything y'all about. And then someone's like, yeah, we got y'all. Take that. Like, take that L. I just I, 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 look, I look at it like we have a uh, especially as hosts like it's our job to get it. I naturally already hear from just my my Twitter following and like my upbringing. What I would say is closest to the left side, so I've listened to the sides I think have more opposite views to get a balanced view. And I'm like, they exaggerate. Even when I listen to this stuff, they exaggerate the nature of like certain problems, like. Obviously, we deal with the race, we deal with racist issues and stuff like that. But what their fears are, what their concerns are, which I think are legitimate, is that if you yell or make the problem seem larger or more common than it actually is, then you can plant a seed in everybody's mind that the country's messed up. And once you plant that seed, you give great way to like a radical thought, like, "Hey, we gotta change everything." And it kind of is like gradually occurring to people, like. And it's really just like what you said with this. Oh well, you know, it's all a, a legitimate response. You really have to think of murder by authority being something that is somewhat inevitable. We are only arguing. You have to clean up your argument to make it specific to what you want. I only want the authorities to use what I consider the necessary response of a force, 
when the uh, the criminal is acting in a way where they have to do it to save others or when they're fighting off the police and things of that nature. So say, using those rules, if you knew it was millions of, of any race, of any group of people, and that you interact with them on a day-to-day, I would have to know like the statistics of how many are dealing with this situation, how many people face death, how many people are actually hit before I know. This is a problem that is been increasing or maintained since the civil rights era or is this a problem that although it's been being improved it's still some issues that we have to face and I think we would I, would, I could agree more with the B I don't think that I'm feeling the same level of, of pressure stuff like that as my grandfather mm-hmm. but I can never say that it's 100% eradicated yeah it's gone but on the way there I can't say 100% hate the police because my not logic is like I plan to be a father I, I don't want to live in a neighborhood that doesn't have a solid relationship with the police. I just don't want them ODing. And that's a completely different argument to me than, hey, we go on a war, like, we, we ride the ride every time something happens, or defund them, or a, you know, say straight, outright disrespect. I'm like, yeah, I get it when we was young, we said it like, as you get more older and mature, you understand they play a critical role. And their role comes to me first and foremost, even because you have to create law and order before you can even do education before you can even do mental health any of that you have to have a safe environment so uh it's just to me it's not that i agree a whole whole heartedly with either side it's like a median message that i think people need to come to when they're just too nervous to like say no nah, not that but that yeah that but not that it's not just a blatant black or white well um just to touch off on this uh, with the mental health aspect in it you know i want everybody to you know consider their, their intake and how much they're taking in on because it's just so right now I, I feel the fatigue of knowing like i feel like i know the world's problems like I, i'm looking at what trump talking about with the monkey thing with obama i'm just like Ugh. take a break so we got to deal with the election coming soon and we got to we dealing with hurricane season and Corona's still out here, schools closing, schools opening, and I feel like, you know, it's sometimes, like, Twitter, it gives you everything in it, and it can be fatiguing to know everything, so, like, I've been noticing myself, like, I have to, like, fall back from Twitter a little bit, because it can be a lot, like, sometimes I wonder, like, how things were when, when you were just consuming things from, like, the newspaper, so, like, imagine, like, how much would you really know about what's going on right now if you just had to read a newspaper to get it? Right. Like, you would be kind of just living in your moment and in your experience. Like, I still would be nervous around the cops, but I wouldn't know the degree. Like, oh, <laughs> these folks is killing kids. <laughs> like, I will just be like, all right, let me not do nothing crazy because, you know, I just don't want to push it. But, like, I wouldn't even know, like, a lot of the stuff that, that's going on. But, like, Twitter feeds it to you in such a quick headline time that it's just like, you know, you got to be Everything. safe with Everything your intake right. of life. You're right. It does get very overwhelming. And there's some videos that I still haven't even watched. Like, I can't. I don't want to watch the whole video. Like, oh, I, I see the description in the headline. I know what happened. I, I got an idea. Or, yeah, I will tell me. Or Harlem always saying something crazy. I'm like, yeah, I can't keep. I don't want to keep saying that. It, it does get depressing. And Vontae said it the other day. Like, dang, man, we, we're in, we've been in quarantine. And we finally got the NBA back. And now we finna, like take it away like if we, yeah. are we helping or are we really punishing ourselves that's why i said i agree with him i just think punishing ourselves. i think 
<laughs> Shut up and Drew. Nah. I mean, it's like, you know, we, we all on this board stand with the, the concept of Black Lives Matter and we recognize that it, it hasn't been put at the forefront. And we also acknowledge the progress that we have been making and we try to bask in that progress as well as realizing what still needs to change. And so, you know, I think there needs to be more balance of that out there that like, like we've come so far and although we're in some terrible circumstances right now, like how black people are being treated in this country is probably as best as it's been right. in the history. So and that's critical. <laughs> that's critical. I, I feel like people are nervous or they feel uncomfortable stating any positive like experiences they have at this moment. Like it's all got to be negative or it's all like corny, cool. Uncle Tom, get him out of there. I'm I just like, think you can't. It, it can't. That that invalidates your argument when you're unable to admit the art, the um, the opposing side's strengths. The strength of their argument would obviously be you guys clearly have comforts and riches and opportunities that other groups don't have. You can't say it's completely the same or completely horrible, and that's a le- legitimate argument for most of us. Uh, I, I think it's it's apparent. You know what I'm saying that that situations or that the the culture is a little bit more open and more understanding and trying to to bend or or grow towards accepting us fully but i'm just i'm just a person that's that's big on the way that we go about it and the way that we communicate our our wants and our desires it has to be it has to be with with strategy it has to be tactical it has to have like a cause and effect we want this we want to do that and it it starts with the individual and then once the individual improves in, internally then they can help their family and then they can help the community it can't just be straight we want this without a close analysis on why we want it and what we've done in the past and what we can improve upon and etc cetera, etc cetera, so well um i think that was a good talk fellas we probably got to wrap this episode up before we reach it out too far but you know overall you know we we want to Make sure that everybody's taking and monitoring the intake of everything and, you know, Perspective Junkies, you know, we stand with, with everybody and we hope that we can find a world peace within everything in this madness. And, you know, we support voting, we support Black Lives Matter and all that. Yeah, we support Paul George. <laughs> Remember that. Broke leg game. Remember that. That's what really... That boy, Paul George got Kenzie out here selling his body. <laughs> He's like, I'll hope for his, his nah, honor. Bro. I'll hope for his honor. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it really make me mad because I, I begin into it with, with Harlem and I'm like, hold on. Why are you arguing for Dane? You love Melo, bro. Melo ain't did nothing but get Lala. That's the greatest thing he took his career. Nah, like, like, Melo a legend. Melo a legend. I'll give him that. But, trying that, boy. Does Paul George have a, a gold medal? A gold medal? He broke his leg trying to get one. Short. And then, <laughs> hey, and then the Olympics got cut. <laughs> so that's a that's a number. Right? Look, hey guys, follow the Twitter Perspective John One. Follow, follow the Instagram. What's it? That Perspective Junkies Podcast. Spelled the exact way it sounds. And y'all be ready for Mental Health Monday that's coming up. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been chilling out for a second. I, I want people to desire it. Like, dang, I am my mental health in a minute. I've been busy, man. Your boy just took his exit exam past that. So um, I've, I've been building up on myself right now. 
And y'all are really special because he hasn't even told the group chat that. I had no idea. Hey, sometimes you just want to win and just find a way to keep winning. I don't have to say shit. Keeping it secret. Yeah, I just want to win. I want to have the W stack when I unleash it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, we, we love everybody. We love the supporters. Thank you. Peace. Junkies. Junkies.